Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Dan. Good to be here. Chris, good to have you back. Uh, a couple of big topics we want to discuss today. Um, one, coming on the heels of, of last week's discussion about inflation. Um, so now, as, as we're looking at some of these, these further produced inflation numbers, we've seen year-to-date um, just about every crop you can name, any net metal that you can name, they're all up double digits. Um, I was looking at used car prices in the month of April alone. Those are up 10%. Um, and then as I looked out at the historical inflation hedges, things like gold or equities or even Bitcoin of late, um, none of those are providing the expected hedge. So uh, this is a surprise to me. Is, is this a surprise to you? Um, it, it's not a surprise in the sense that when you look at uh, um, an investment like gold or equities, the way they're an inflation hedge is across time and space. It's not at any discrete moment. And what you typically have is a scenario where gold usually leads. Um, it reacts to the increase in the liquidity conditions. It starts to move higher in anticipation of that liquidity. Then as that liquidity peaks, it starts to trade off. And as it sells off, ultimately, equities kind of follow that same path. Uh, when you look at the, the general nature of inflation and what's different about what we're seeing now versus what I would call uh, real inflation. We may, in fact, have real inflation. We've, we've set the, the stage for that. I'm still in the camp. A lot of this is transitory. we got to remember that, you know, we have $6 trillion of stimulus, which met, means we had an 11% increase in personal income, but yet we had a dramatic decline in supply, whether that was vehicle production, even gold production, um, all of your basic materials. Nearly every supply chain was disrupted, but we, we just shifted what we were buying. We didn't change the absolute level of what was being purchased. And so now, and this is consistent with every pandemic, when you have demand remaining strong or coming back and you haven't got all the supply and capacity back in place, you get these uh, significant, albeit significant, but should be transitory inflationary pressures. It doesn't mean that prices have to decline. You know, certainly lumber prices will decline. We're going to reopen mill, the, the mills and, you know, those prices will come in quite dramatically. And I suspect that's going to be the case for a host of goods, um, including housing. Housing prices could come in if we get financing costs moving higher as well. On the labor side, it's a little different. You know, we've seen moves out of larger players in raising wages. Um, I think it was very intentional to have the extended benefits to boost that minimum wage. Uh, that may be semi-permanent, and we were already at demographic shifts where wa wages were going to need to rise to bring back, bring labor back into the into the marketplace. Um, I think what's really important because I think it's the driver of not just the stock market, but even the correction we're seeing now is investors need to understand that inflation is first created by an expansion of the money supply. But that monetary inflation, that growth of money, doesn't move into generalized prices until there's been a shift in psychology. And that shift in psychology either is either a, a loss in the faith of the currency or it's just the belief that inflation is, is here to stay. And you have a shift in inflationary purchasing behavior by consumers, by businesses, and you have a, even a shift in behavior by banks. 
Um, and what I mean by that is when banks see inflation and think it's there, the first thing they try to do is accelerate loan growth because the existing loans are losing their value, and that's the assets. Well, it's that loan acceleration, that loan growth acceleration that, that does, in fact, create money and puts money into the real economy. So when you look at history and you look at any time we've had an increase in the money supply, the following chain of events always occurs. Number one, you see it move into risk assets and risk assets move higher. And then ultimately, it moves into a generalized price increase, not a temporary increase or you know a one-time move higher in price because of a shift in demand. But I'm talking a generalized price increase of, across all goods and services. The delay between the movement into asset prices and then into final goods can last years and even in excess of a decade. So in my own opinion, we've been printing money for uh, the better part or more than a decade. COVID saw us generate more liquidity in a matter of weeks than we did in the prior 10 years. That's what's driven asset prices higher. That and, and, and the way investors behave is when they see prices move higher, they, they develop their narrative around it. Whatever belief they had is what drove that. And those beliefs are difficult to, to challenge when prices consistently moved higher. But at the same time, once that liquidity levels off, because it takes more and more every year to sustain, sustain economic activity and asset prices, if it levels off, then you either have to have a reduction in economic activity or you have to have a reduction in asset prices. There's just simply not enough liquidity to do both. And so I think to a large extent what we've had for certainly the last 12 months has been the excess liquidity that couldn't have been absorbed into the real economy because of a fall off in supply and capacity has gone into equity markets. Strong belief within the crypto regime or the clean energy regime had all the narratives to justify why these asset prices moved higher. And the simple truth is, you know, now that we're reopening the economy, that claim on that liquidity is being used for working capital wages and CapEx, and it comes out of the, the, mo the more volatile, volatile areas of the market or the more speculative areas of the market. The last place it went in is the first place it's going to come out. So. I think that's where we are. I think that's what we're seeing. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens next. But, uh, and, and along those lines, so when you really think about your inflation hedge, and let's say this isn't a transitory environment, but we're going to move on and we're going to have ultimately the inflation that, we, that, that could occur because of the expansion in the money supply. Equities will be a hedge, not all equities, but equities will be a hedge and gold will be a hedge. However, because money flows into those assets first, those assets that ultimately will be a hedge for inflation are going to fall and fall dramatically as the inflation is created in goods and services. However, once the inflation has stopped in goods and services, you'll reprice the, the equities appropriately and gold appropriately with those new price levels, and then you get your purchasing power back. Uh, but And that's why it's so difficult for investors 
to trade a shift in an inflationary environment. Ultimately, they end up whipsawing themselves. And they just need to understand you'll have significant drawdowns. And if you bought in at the top in a lot of securities and then inflation shows up, chances are you are going to lose money in real purchasing power. Uh, so you, this is where it, get, it can get difficult. And you really have to know what you own. And you have to know where you are in those cycles. And a couple of times you mentioned, you know, this could be potentially tra- you know, transitory. Um, and you focused a little bit um, early on that, that your comments there about suppliers. Um, you mentioned, you know, lumber ramping back up and, and coming on, on online. And as those come on, potentially that eases the, the, um, the housing costs and overall and, and things of that nature around infrastructure. Um, do you think that this then in, in that situation, uh, this is a, a temporary spike up in inflation and this will be, you know, kind of revert back to where we were, um, you know, is it six or eight months ago or is this a, um, you know, something that, as you described before, uh, could take years, but we're moving into this new regime? So I, I think it, it's like everything. There's two sides to every story and then there's the truth. And, you know, the people that believe in deflation are convinced all of this is transitory. And then the people that believe hyperinflation's around the corner believes, no, this is just the beginning and it, none of this is transitory. And I simply think it's somewhere in the middle. It's going to be less transitory than the Fed wishes, and it's going to be more transitory than the gold bugs believe. Um, you know, I, as I said, when I look at lumber, transitory. Uh, used car prices, transitory. Uh, home prices, eh, we'll see. Right, that we're loosening up mortgage availability. We could implement yield curve control. We repriced housing because of financing costs. There's no other reason that, that we did. So, and, and housing prices are stickier than other prices. So that could remain in place. Um, when I look at some of the big moves by the largest players out there for wages, you know, McDonald's said they're gonna raise wages. They're, they, they're not, crazy. They know they're getting ready to get hit with food inflation next year and other rising costs. Amazon's raising wages as well. They're not doing that out of the goodness of their heart. When you see large companies bidding for, for labor, is it because they can't get it or because they know it's a competitive advantage if they pay it? And if they can pay the higher wages, the smaller scale players cannot or will be forced to. So I can see where wages are going to be a little stickier on the upside. And that's a one-time move higher. Inflation's a rate of change calculation, not a one-time move higher. Uh, We know the Fed talks out of both sides of its mouth. We know inflation's real. Everybody knows it's real. Everybody knows it's higher than, than, than what gets calculated. But are we going to move to an environment where, because of the money printing, that we're going to see it expressed and we're really going to start to see significant broad inflation, you know, for the first time in 10 years, I'd say we got a shot at it. Um, and a lot of it's going to be driven by not only the po- policy choices we make from here, but the psyche that consumers are currently in and the fact that we put out $6 trillion of stimulus in the last 12 months. So, you know, if the average person doesn't know that lumber's going to fall in value and so are used car prices, you know, they're going to build in expectations for higher inflation. And at the same time, we know that foreigners walked away from the Treasury market in the crisis in March of 2020 and haven't showed back up yet. You know, 
deficits aren't going to get smaller. Without the deficits, we'd be in recession. So do we start to lose faith in the dollar, not from a reserve currency standpoint, just from price stability standpoint? And these elements are very reflexive. And what I mean by that is if you experience deflation, you expect deflation, and your behavior creates deflation. Well, if we expect inflation and we start behaving as if we expect inflation, we've already printed the money for it, for it to occur. And if the stock market starts falling because of inflation, that's going to reinforce money coming out of the market and into goods. So it can happen. It's not my base case scenario. I'm still somewhat in the camp that what we're seeing is liquidity that has leveled off because we have an accelerator. We're a year forward from pumping out $6 trillion. We didn't pump out $6 trillion and then some, yet we're reopening. So we have to see economic activity weaken, which it looks like we'll start to see out of the industrial side of the equation later this year. And that's what the market's starting to discount. You look at semiconductors, they've been one of the first sectors to roll over, and, and they are by far the, the leading edge of that. Um, and now what we're seeing is that liquidity coming out of the market. So uh, we'll see, but it, it's certainly a possibility. Okay, so th that ties in is interesting, right? So, you know, if I rewind the clock back a week ago, uh, we were talking about all-time highs. And then this week we saw, you know, a, a, some substantial moves in, in singular day. We saw, you know, a, a two-plus percent down day. Um, bonds were down. Crypto was down. Um, you're describing $6 trillion in stimulus. That moves into risk assets. Inflation's reinforcing money uh, coming out of the market and into goods. Yeah. Um, is this would, would this be something that you'd point out at the underlying yeah. cause of the sell-off over the last week? It's 100% what's going on. And I know, you know, Kathy Woods had a very successful fund. And ever since Archegos blew up and that leverage came out of the market, her funds underperformed the, the NASDAQ by 30%. Um, and that's the issue. When you see liquidity leave, and you don't have price signals to confirm a story, then all you're left with is a story. And stories without fundamentals, it's hard to get that incremental dollar, and sometimes you know, the stories just aren't true. So we saw that unwinding happen. Ultimately, it, it starts to impact other players, and people start to view it as generalized weakness. So you know, recording this on the Thursday after the Wednesday sell-off, when bonds sold off, equities sold off, uh, you know, certain commodities that shouldn't have sold off. Uh, that's just to generalize all the liquidity went in and pumped up all these assets. The liquidity's leaving, and it's coming out. And you really got to keep an eye on the Fed. When you look at, they have a standing repo facility, uh, investors, not investors, uh, market players put up over $200 billion of collateral this week on a single day for the Fed to backstop. That's the same level that we were putting up collateral in March of 2020. So there's funding stress out of the, out there. The liquidity is leaving the markets. And quite frankly, the Fed wants it to. It serves them in two ways. One, it is just completely unhealthy the way markets have behaved for the last six weeks. Two, the Fed needs a bid under the dollar. They need to not see the, the sell-off from the dollar get out of hand. And a way to engineer that bid is to create some dislocations in the market. And they would love to see some of this speculation dispense and, and move back into real economic activity. 
So yeah, I think that's all that's going on. Um, I think, and, and you know, as a consequence of both you know, more more active elements within the markets and more passive elements within the markets, you, you're just going to see a lot of whipsaw activity. But we're also think of you know the COVID crisis is going to truncate a business cycle. It ended the last expansion, but the the combination of the nature of the of the recession or depression and the stimulative impact of policy means we're going to run through a whole business cycle within 12 to 18 months. So we had a recession. It lasted about eight weeks. We've had a recovery that's lasted about eight months. Now we're going to move to mid-cycle. Are we going to be in the cycle in another 12 months, maybe? Or are we going to get more stimulative activity in the forms of transfer payments and infrastructure to sustain growth. So it's just going to be a fairly volatile environment for sure. And, and just one, one follow-up to that, as, as you're looking out at flows, um, you described you know, liquidity that's, that's exiting the market. Any idea where you think those, those assets are going or that, that flow is, is headed? Look, I think it's headed to cash. I think it's headed to tax payments. Um, I think it's headed to working capital. Uh, we know, I mean, we know supply chains are restarting. It's going into CapEx. It's going into higher wages. It's the large banks that provide the balance sheet capacity for hedge funds to lever up. They're having to fund deficits, and they're, when they see the volatility at the same time, they also have to rein in their own activity. It's going into easing conditions for mortgages. It's going into all those areas. It's just coming out of Bitcoin, Tesla, and every other security out there. Well, good. Well, thank you, Chris. Um, I feel like this, uh, this inflation conversation reminds me of uh, our weekly kickoff on jobs reports all throughout the course of last summer. So um, it might be, uh, right. it might be an, 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 a weekly inflation update for, uh, for the time being. So, um, well, thank you very much, and uh, we will look forward to having you again here soon. Thank Sounds you. good, Dan. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson and, or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws.